0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the least of these podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Oh. be the favorite of the favorites, I guess. (laughs) They're all wonderful. I didn't order it either. I know it you didn't order it this morning. I heard a couple people say that's my song and another one said that's my song too, so I don't know who all said that, but I've heard a couple of y'all say that in the past too. I heard Miss Betty say it, I think, last week or the week before and so I heard a couple of y'all say that's y'all's favorite, so or that's your song of songs. so anyway it's all right if we sing some songs every week some songs you know are worth it (laughs) if you like them that's why i let y'all pick the songs i mean this is your choice y'all like to sing what y'all like to sing right i like to sing all of them and some of them we don't sing every once in a while but but if we can get to them we'll get to them Anyway, we're going to be back. We're going to finish up the last two or three verses of John 13 and then start in the 14 today. It starts out, remember in the last section, we were talking about the fact that Jesus was with the disciples and he has already basically dismissed Judas from the disciples because he's not one of them. He's the one that Jesus said was not clean. Uh, meaning that he was not saved he had not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ remember when he said one of you is going to betray me all the disciples say is it I Lord except for Judas and the other gospels record that he says not I surely not I Rabbi he doesn't call him Lord he calls him Rabbi still calling him teacher so he does not believe he's Lord he he leaves, and he says it was night, and it says Satan entered into him, and he goes out into eternal darkness, into eternal hell, to never be forgiven and never be saved. And then Jesus says, gives him that great commandment to love one another as I've loved you. Not that it was a new commandment, but it was a commandment that was old to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and but he says love as I have loved you give everything give everything you got serve people be even willing to give your life for others if you need to that's what Jesus did at this point he tells them by this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another and Simon Peter it's almost like Jesus never said anything about loving one another it's kind of like he's got a one track mind it's almost like he totally missed it. He, he must have, maybe he heard it, but it just didn't register. You ever hear something, but it doesn't register? Sometimes my wife, she'll say something, and I don't know what it is, and I won't quite hear it. And then I'll I have to play it back in my mind and somehow or another I got like this playback in my brain like I can turn it back and listen and about half the time before I say, what'd you say? And before she can tell me, half the time I played it back in my head and I know what she said. And then she said, well, why'd you, t- why'd you ask me what I said? Because if you knew what I said, I said, sorry. I didn't think I heard you, but I was playing it back. I got instant replay, I guess. But Peter, he totally misses the commandment to love one another as, as Jesus has loved us. And Simon Peter, in verse 36 said to him, Lord, where are you going? Because remember, Jesus said, I'm leaving, and if I leave, you cannot go with me. And Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. So basically, Peter gets focused on the fact that that Jesus is leaving and... And he's, and then Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you can follow me afterwards. In other words, Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus is going to die for their sins. Jesus is ultimately going to heaven and one day they'll be able to come with him to heaven when they die. But Peter doesn't understand that. All he's focused on is the here and the now. A lot of people say, well, it'd be great if we could go back to the times where the disciples walked with Jesus. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own, right? And they're actually walking with him and talking with him. But you know what? We have it better today than they had it back then because even though God walked with them in the garden even though Jesus walked with them here on earth they did not have the Holy Spirit like we do today at this point Jesus can be everywhere at once because he lives uh, what was that Psalm? because he lives within my heart Jesus God lives within us he lives inside of us if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior And we have that close, intimate fellowship. It's closer and deeper and better than if we could physically walk with Him right here because at that point, they hadn't been given the Holy Spirit like we have been today. But they're thinking, I want a Jesus I can see. I think Mary was the same way when when Jesus was talking about leaving and and she was like, Lord, please don't leave And in John chapter 20. She doesn't want him to leave either. We like something we can see, something we can hang on to, don't we? We like to see something. But the Bible tells us faith is is believing those things that we don't see. And when we trust in that, and Jesus is going to tell him in a minute that don't worry about it. I, I'm still going to be with you. And so Peter says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Number one, he he doesn't have the Holy Spirit, the power, the ability. Because remember, he does make the mistake and he tries to follow Jesus. And what does he do? He denies him three times. And so he says, I will lay down my life for your sake. He thinks that he's ready. He thinks that he's willing to follow him even to death. But he's not and Jesus answers says will you lay down your life for my sake because surely and that's that truly truly or amen amen I say to you the rooster shall not crow, crow till you deny me three times and we all know that Peter he scared of two little old servant girls and a man and he denies Jesus three times they say you were with him you were with him and you were with him and he says no I'm not with him and he, and he curses and and I don't think it was a physical curse, but it was like an oath that, and he says, No, I was not with him. I don't know him. Remember, Jesus restores him three times. So then, as we get into chapter 14 this morning, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Remember, they're still up in the upper room, right? Even though we got a chapter division here. There's really nothing new going on. They just put chapter divisions in there so we can find our places in the Bible, right? Chapter divisions are not inspired. They are not inspired. Somebody put them there to help us find the right pages, the right verses. Verses are not inspired either. And some of them are good and some of them are bad because they break up at the wrong spot. But here they're continuing that on. And Jesus begins to tell them, Remember, Jesus at the beginning of the chapter is troubled because what? Judas is going to betray Him, right? And then the disciples are troubled now because He's going to leave them and they don't know where He's going. Or they don't think they know where He's going. They ultimately do. But at this point, they haven't understood. They're too focused on the fact that He's leaving. He's not going to be right there like he has been for the last three and a half years they're focused on that and he says let not your heart be troubled and that that's your innermost being right when the bible speaks of your heart it speaks of your innermost being it speaks of your bowels a lot of times Uh, like i said before my cousins used to tell their daddy don't let daddy don't get your bowels in uproar <laughs> when he start getting mad that that's talking about your inside, your heart the seed of emotion and everything else the bible talks about the heart a lot and he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me i want to stop right there because he says don't be troubled now i just told you jesus was troubled. now the disciples are troubled but there's a different kind of trouble every time Jesus is troubled, is troubled because of Jerusalem, he's troubled because of the people who are going to deny him he's troubled because of the effects of sin and disease and those things when Lazarus dies, he's troubled when he's in Jerusalem because he is riding on a donkey and the people are saying, Hosanna Hosanna, here comes blessed be the king and And Jesus is riding in on a donkey going to the cross. And they don't understand. They want to crown him, crown him. And really what needs to happen is he needs to be crucified. Three days later they're going to say crucify him, crucify him. But in the meantime they don't understand why he's really there. And then this third time that he's troubled. Remember he's troubled in his spirit when Judas is about to betray him. And he's troubled because of the fact that that Judas is going to hell. Judas is going to turn on him. Judas is not going to believe and he's troubled for one of his, even though he's not really one of his he, he remember Judas has been with them for the whole three and a half years. He was one of the original disciples. He's done miracles. He's cast out demons. He's raised people from the dead. He's done signs, wonders, miracles. He's been with Jesus. He's seen all these things that Jesus has done. And yet he still doesn't believe. Isn't that amazing? That he saw it. He heard it all. He was right there with them. Even was given the power to, to raise people from the dead and cast out demons and all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And yet he still doesn't believe. That's what Jesus is troubled about. He's troubled about these other people, these other things that are going on. It's not like a a, a fear trouble. And see, the disciples have a different kind of trouble. They have that fear trouble, right? That don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, they're anxious. They're worried. That's what kind of heart trouble they have. They don't have the same kind of troubled spirit that Jesus has Jesus when he's troubled he's troubled for other people Jesus when he's angry he's angry over sin he's not angry because he's being mistreated and so there's a difference in the way Jesus responds with emotions and the way we respond because we respond with fear and anxiousness and worry and distress and we get ourselves all messed up and so Jesus tells them let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled because I tell you I'm going away. Don't worry. You believe in God. In other words, hey, you, really, you believe in God, right? You know what he says? Believe also in me. In other words, stop worrying. If you believe in God, y'all, you trust in a God that you can't see... Trust in me who you can see, but even if I'm not here, you need to believe in me the same way you believe in the God who's in heaven. Because I am he. That's what he's trying to tell them. It's a command. Literally, it's an imperative in the Greek. It means believe in me the same way you believe in God. Just do it. That's what he's saying. He he says you need to trust in me and believe in me the same way you do God in heaven because I am God. And that, that's what we need to understand. That if Even if God is not here right here with us, He is right here with us. He, he may not be physically with us, but He's with us always spiritually, right? No matter where we go, no matter what trouble we go through, no matter what thing happens in life, you know the the lot of the Christian, the lot of the human being is to go through trouble, right? Man is born to trouble, as I think Proverbs says. It's the sparks fly up where man is born to trouble, and we're all going to go through trouble. We're all going to see trouble. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to deal with difficulties. But Jesus is basically saying, and He's going to say it later on in John fourteen, that that you don't need to worry. I'll give you peace not as the world gives you, but I'll give you my peace, right? We don't have to worry. We don't have to be troubled the way the world is troubled because it's okay because Jesus is always with us. He loves us. He cares for us. Like the old Footprints in the Sand poem that says there was two sets of footprints, and then when times got hard, the man complained and says, Well, where were you, Jesus? Jesus. And he says, that was when I carried you. That's why there was only one set of footprints, that's where I carried you, right? I mean, we remember, I've told y'all over and over again, that when then Daniel was in the lion's den, guess who was in the lion's den with him? God, right? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael, the three Hebrew friends of Daniel were in the fire, The king looked down and says there's one like the Son of God in the fire with them. He was in the fire with them. He didn't leave them. He didn't forsake them. That's what Hebrews 13.5 says. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be troubled. I mean many, many times in the Old Testament God would tell the people. he say stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch the mighty hand of God it's all okay because God is still on the throne even though Jesus is leaving physically he's still gonna be with us spiritually and really we have it a whole lot better than they did because even though he was there physically with them he didn't dwell within them like he does in us as believers he says basically trust in me the same way you trust God in heaven now You know, this was kind of a difficult thing for Jews because Jews believed in a monotheistic God. In other words, they didn't believe in a trinity. They believed in one God, which Jesus and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, but they're three in one God. I don't know how to explain that. We had a discussion about that earlier this week but the bible says that god the father god the son god the holy spirit created everything it says in genesis chapter one i think verse two and the spirit hovered over the waters as they were created it it says in the beginning god and that word god is plural and he says let us create man let us do this Don't ask me to explain the Trinity. One man says, if you try to explain the Trinity away, you'll lose your salvation. In other words, you can't go to heaven because you don't believe it. Not that you can lose your salvation, but you will never be saved. But he says, if you try to explain it, you'll lose your mind. Because the Trinity is tough to understand. And no illustration totally explains it. And then he says in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now let's stop right there, in my Father's house. Now where is my Father's house? Really, uh, to be in Jesus is to be in the Father's house, right? But we always talk about heaven being a place. And heaven is a place. But heaven is not found just in a place, but it's found in who? A person. Because Jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And over and over and over again in the gospels they talked about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And what that means is we get a taste of heaven right now. Did you know that? That today for us that are believers and I hope that's all of us. We have a taste of heaven today. We, we don't get it all here. We don't get it all now. But we get a taste of that which we're going to get one day in heaven. Or God said through Paul that, that the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. But he says things are going to be revealed to us which I haven't seen or our ear hasn't heard or, or entered into the heart of man. In other words, we, we, we cannot fathom the mysteries. And it's not really talking about heaven. And I know people have used that verse for heaven But what it's really talking about is wisdom. That God's going to show us things. We know things. Did you know that the the dumbest person on earth, it's a saved person, is smarter than any professor with a PhD? Did you know that? Why? Because the Bible says in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When you get to Proverbs chapter 8, the Bible tells us, it kind of personifies wisdom and he says wisdom created the heavens wisdom created the earth wisdom and wisdom and wisdom and and what is wisdom wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge right you could memorize this whole bible it doesn't do you any good if you can't apply it and i know people in the jail and places that man they maybe know way more scripture than i do but they can't apply it to their life because they have not been forgiven, they have not been saved, and so they don't really understand this. And I had a guy tell me one time, yeah, I read that sometimes, and I thought, oh, he's a Christian. And he says, I read it, but I don't understand a word it says. But it makes me feel better. That's what Second 2 Corinthians 2.14 says. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God because they are foolishness to him. But we that are believers, we know so much more than, than people who are not believers. And so to, to know Jesus Christ is to be, basically, get a touch to heaven, to be in heaven kind of in a sort. Now we don't get it all one day when we get in heaven. With, he, he says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we see in part and we know in part, but one day we'll see him as he is. Because we'll be like Him. And as much as a man or a woman can be like God, we'll be like God. And then we'll get the full taste of heaven. But right now, that's why Jesus said we can have joy and peace and abundant life. In spite of the trouble. In spite of the problems. In spite of the things we go through. We can have a taste of heaven now. Because we have a Savior who loves us and we, we get a taste of that right now. Because you know, heaven's going to be, they're going to wipe away all our tears. God's going to wipe away all our pain, our crying, all our agony, everything that goes on in life. That's the Father's house. Yes, the Father's house is to be in heaven, but the Father's house is really to be in Christ. If you know Christ, you're in Christ. He's in you and you're in Him. I think it's John 10.10 where he talks about that. He says, Thief does not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they might have life and life abundantly, right? And there's another place where he says that I I and my Father are one and no one can snatch Him out of our hands. That's 10.28 is what I was looking for. And that, that we are in Him and He's in us and we're all together. I mean, I'm part of God and He's part of me. And if you believe her, believer, He's part of you too and you're part of Him. He says there are many mansions. Now, this is one of those things that Jerome in the Latin Vulgate, what he did was he was looking for a word that most translated the word dwelling places. And the one that was closest in the Latin was mansions or something like that and so what happened is now and i and that's one of my favorite songs verse 44 but i like it not cause always the words because of the tune and the and the words but he says i'm satisfied with a college below remember we sing that song mansion over a hilltop and and he says i've got a mansion over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll grow old, right? We'll never grow old. Uh, I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion. A harp and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And, you know, that we got that song, but it's really not a mansion. What it speaks of is a dwelling place. He says, in my house there are many dwelling places. And, and I never really understood this until a couple of days ago. But it's kind of like what the Jews used to do, and I guess some people still do this in other parts of the country. They would build a build a house, and they would have a room or whatever, and then there would be a patio. Well, when one of the kids got married, they would build another house. I mean, to build another room onto it, and it would surround that patio, and they would keep. Building houses, building rooms until it actually surrounded that patio, and they would all have a common place that they would gather as a family, right? And they were all right there together. And and I actually knew a woman from Croatia, and she said that's the way the apartment buildings were built over in Croatia. They built these apartment buildings, and the way they built them was they encircled the playground. So that the kids were in the center and they were protected and taken care of all the time. They didn't have to worry about the kids running out and getting in trouble. They were within that compound all the time. And that's kinda of what this is saying, that that there's many dwelling places and they're all attached and they're all together and somehow, some way We're all right there with God at the same time. It's not that we got a mansion. Maybe we got a little shack. I don't know what we have. But whatever we have, we're going to be happy with it, right? It's not about the splendor of heaven. It's not about the luxuriousness of heaven. It's about being with a Savior. It's about being in fellowship with Him, being right there with Him. Not only do we have Him in our spirit, but we'll be dwelling with Him right there. And I was trying to remember in Revelation chapter 21 let me see if I can get over there real quick. In Revelation chapter 21 it talks about that. It talks about that it is a glorious place. That it is a wonderful place. But then it also says, look how big it's going to be. It says now the in verse 14 of Revelation 21 it says now the the city had 12 foundations, and then on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who taught with me had a gold reed to measure its city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its breadth and height are equal. Length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 140 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of an angel and then when you get through what man measured that out that it would be like fifteen thousand square miles i think is what he said and i think based on the calculations i don't have all my notes with me but basically what one man said after he calculated it all out is that we could put thirty times the current population of the world in there and then we'd still have plenty of room that you could put 100 million, million people in there. I don't know how many people that is, but yeah, 100 million, million. So we could put 30 times, we could put 180, well, actually we got seven billion in the world now. So we could put 30 times seven, that'd be two hundred ten billion people and we'd be still comfortable now in our spiritual state we don't know if we take up quite as much room but that's if you know you live like in a city and you've got that much space for each person right in a population but it also speaks of the greatness of it right it says talks about the foundations of the wall verse 19 were adorned with all kinds of precious stones the first foundation was jasper the second sapphire the third chalcedony the fourth emerald the fifth Sard- Sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystalline, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, and on and on and on. I mean, yes, it's going to be a beautiful place. But what he's saying is that I'm going to be where with you. There are many dwelling places. Remember in the Old Testament, what did God do? He had a tabernacle made, right? And what does the word tabernacle mean? Dwelling place, right? They dwelt in tabernacles. Jesus, God, dwelt in a tabernacle. The Bible tells us in, in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. We're going to dwell with God up there. We'll be with Him. And He's going to be right there with us. The main thing He wants us to understand is, is that we're going to be right there with Him. That it's not like He's going anywhere, that we can't get to Him. Yes, we can't get to Him right this minute. Not physically. We can spiritually. But He says, there are many mansions or dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, if this wasn't true, I would have already told you, right? Because Jesus never lies, right? God always tells the truth. And Jesus, we'll find out in a little while or next week, I guess, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. But anyway, the bottom line is, folks, is that Jesus is leaving, but we don't have to worry. He's right there for us all the time, isn't He? He's right there. As one man said, He's just a phone call away. You can dial Jesus anytime and you won't get a busy signal. He's never too busy. He doesn't say call back later. Marty, I got somebody on the other line. Don't call call back later. I ain't got time for you today. I'm tired. Don't bother me. Or This is the 15th time you called in the last 10 minutes. Leave me alone or whatever. You know, the Bible tells us that God wants us to call on any time, anywhere. God wants it. He expects it. That's why. He died for us so we could have that perfect, intimate fellowship with Him, dwell with Him forever. So let's pray and we'll sing a song and close. Father, we love You. We thank You and we praise You for who You are. And we just ask today that You would uh, just give us a sense of Your presence today and just let us know how much You love us. And if there happens to be one that doesn't know You today, that they would cry out today and say, Lord Jesus. Save me. Father, we love You and thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.